Hey, Philo community, welcome to the Philo Podcast. We're here to help you become more effective as technical artists, but more importantly, as a more effective human, so that your local church can become more effective. And we do that through this podcast, through the Philo cohorts, our book, I Love Jesus, But I Hate Christmas, and the Philo Conference. And if you listen to this podcast much, you know that the Philo Conference in 2023 is coming up on May 2nd and 3rd at Willow Creek in the Chicagoland area. And at the time of this podcast release, we are two weeks away from another price increase, which means, if I were you, I'd be registering as many people as I can now before the tickets cost more. And if you've been to file in the past, you know that a big part of the experience is being with your team in a non-service setting. I like to think of it as summer camp for tech people. I mean, you're driving in the church van, you're hanging out at the hotel lobby, going to get dinner together, and you're starting to know each other on a level deeper than just serving together on the weekend. So come with your team. You'll be glad you did. And this year, we have a couple of new offerings. The first are called intensives, which will happen on Tuesday morning before the conference begins. These are a larger block of time than the traditional breakouts that we offer, and they're a chance to go deeper into a few key topics. These will be taught by our partners, and you can check out our website to see all the topics that are being covered there. These intensives have a small cost associated with them, which helps to cover some of the expenses, which includes lunch on Tuesday before the conference kicks off. So go check out our website to see more about the intensives that are happening on Tuesday morning. The other big change is something we experimented with last year and we've expanded upon this year, which is on Wednesday, we're creating a new chance to learn some new stuff and we've combined it with lunch. So we're calling it Lunch and Learn. You can sign up for these and eat lunch and learn something at the same time. So each Lunch and Learn is a free sign up. Simply register for the one that interests you the most and we'll get your spot locked in. If you've already bought your ticket for Philo, you can just go back to your registration and easily add either the intensive or a Lunch and Learn to your ticket. And speaking of the conference, our guest on the podcast is going to be one of our main session speakers this year. He's had quite a journey with Philo going way back to 2016, and we talk about that in our conversation. And I'm really excited to have him join us for, I think this might be his third podcast, but his first new role at the Philo Conference as main session speaker. It is John Jorgensen. He is a creative and teaching pastor at Soul City Church down in the West Loop of Chicago. And we had a really great conversation. So let's get right to the interview. How you doing, John? I'm good, Todd. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing all right. I'm um, glad to be back. We like you a lot. And we have things to talk about. So mm-hmm. maybe before we get into the kind of the bulk of our conversation today, first of all, we've known each other, I don't know, since 2016, I think. Probably, you, yeah. you, you were doing uh, second shooter responsibilities That's right. for the Philo Conference. So doing the- The highlight video. The highlight reel, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, it's been a it's been a real progression since since 2016 with <laughs> yeah. with Philo and me from yeah second shooter on the highlight video to kind of helping direct that highlight video to working with y'all on some social with Chelsea back when she was really heading it up to yeah. you know a bunch of different things yeah breakouts yeah, and all those things yeah uh, tr- international travel yeah international travel <laughs> we went to yeah. Minsk together yeah big stuff yeah. I feel like I've come up through the farm system as it as we would call it yeah. you know <laughs> kind of sitting in all the different philo seats over yeah. the years oh man yeah we've had some good times mm-hmm. yeah so I'm excited about our conversation today but maybe before we get too far into that Maybe tell people what it is you're doing now, because even your progression in your life from 2016 till now, a few different things. So yeah, why don't you tell us what you do and kind of how you ended up where you are? 
Yeah. So uh, outside of my Philo resume, which <laughs> yeah. I I always I always say first in yeah, okay. in whatever <laughs> environment I'm in, I always yeah. share that first because I feel like you should always put your best and most impressive foot forward. <laughs> but outside of my work with Philo, so I actually the last time I was on the podcast, what I was doing was different than what I'm doing now. Okay. So previously, a lot of the work that I was doing back in like 2016 through 2021 was a lot of freelance creative work within and around churches sort of as a I found myself as like a freelance creative pastor okay yeah to a certain extent I worked with a lot of churches that were the size of church where they wanted to do something maybe a little bit more elevated or exciting for you know Easter Christmas capital campaigns things like that but didn't necessarily have the size of staff to necessitate a full-time creative pastor. Right, right. And so they might call me up and bring me in for one-off things to help with a creative element for a Christmas service or to creative direct an entire Easter gathering one year or whatever it might be. And so I was doing a lot of work in and around different churches and then also was traveling and speaking at different camps and conferences and doing some Bible teaching, kind of the itinerant thing as well. And what's really, really interesting is all of that work of creative direction and the work of Bible teaching is exactly what I'm still doing now. It's just in a different, perhaps more focused container. Starting in September of 2020, uh, I came on staff full-time at our church, Soul City Church, as at the time teaching pastor. And then at the beginning of 2022, January 2022, I started as the creative and teaching pastor. Okay. So initially just doing a lot of like Sunday teaching, teaching a lot of our courses, things like that, sitting on the creative team, but not leading it. Mm -hmm. And then in 2022, when that creative pastor seat was empty for us, or at the end of 2021, I began to think and pray and we started some discussions and I stepped into the creative pastor seat as well while retaining the majority of my teaching responsibilities. Okay. So you weren't busy enough, basically. No, definitely yeah. not. <laughs> I don't know what I was doing before, you know. It's sort of like when you uh, have your first child, you're like, what did we do with all our time? Yeah, we wasted seriously. It yep. Because Yeah, and in that, in that time, had my yeah. first kid as well. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I used to have lots of hobbies. I used to watch a lot of TV. Uh-huh. No longer. No okay. longer. No hobbies. How sad. You're, now your hobby is teaching pastor. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, now, right. The Sunday the sermon hustle. has my hobby yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So the thing that I wanted to talk a little bit about, well, number one is really excited to have you as one of our main session speakers at Philo this yeah. year. So I think after this year, your progression is it's over. Like I think I'm no, taking your job after this. No worries. Oh, yeah, the, I guess that would be, yeah. My job and then Chelsea's job, and yep. then we shut it down. And then we shut <laughs> yeah, it down. Yeah. Then, I've, then I've truly run the whole thing. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, really excited to have you yeah. as one of our main session teachers because your heart for the Philo community and yeah. you know just the way that you've invested in, in us. And now you're going from itinerant to like week in, week out, doing yeah. this thing mm-hmm. alongside the Philo community. And yeah, like looking forward to that. No, I am I was so honored and, and humbled when you all reached out and asked only because, and this is a bit of a rabbit hole, so I apologize no Todd, problem. if I'm going like too far off of your, yeah. uh, off your planned schedule yeah, that you sent me in planning center. But um, <laughs> no, I, uh, 
only because I th- the so I I came up in church work through the stage through the platform mm-hmm, mostly mm-hmm. and it wasn't always Sunday sermons but it was it was always I was the person with the microphone in hand on the stage yeah. that's my background my background is in performing and mu- musical theater and it was really through Philo and through my work with Philo that for the first time really in my life, I got the opportunity to really step behind the scenes mm. and do things like be the second camera operator for a highlight video and sit in a bunch of different seats. And it has completely and utterly transformed mm. not just the way that I view church, but really, and I don't think I'm being dramatic when I say really transform the way I view the kingdom of God mm. and the way that God works in and through both the church and the world. I, I think... I grew up thinking what often our culture will tell us that it mainly happens through the person on the platform, right. that, that that's the main portion of it. And over the last several years, specifically through my work with Philo, God has completely inverted that mm. to show me that the, the work of the kingdom of God happens, like we talk about all the time with Philo, it happens on the soundboard, it happens in planning center, it happens all through the entire process, not just through the person on the platform. And that has helped me to having opportunity to step off the platform has changed mm. the way that I step onto it now. Okay. I oh, suppose. nice. Yeah. And I, I think one of the things that I'm interested in talking about today is just, you know, some of that idea and being on stage, having to produce services each week, write content each week, be creative all the time. You know, the pressure to keep it up is immense. Uh, mm. I think more than we realize, like I think... One of the things that I noticed when I stepped out of Willow Creek all those years ago was just that weight Mm. that I didn't know I was sitting under. Totally. (laughs) And then it was gone. I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh, wait, I don't... There is no service this Sunday. <laughs> oh yeah, that that I'm in charge of. Right. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's just something we all get used to. Yeah. As you're leading a team that's doing the weekend service, like how do you like how do you manage through that weight? Hmm. That's a that's a really good question. Uh, well, one really practical and unsexy thing is <laughs> by building better systems mm, yeah. for for our team and for our church and for our volunteers. You know, when I stepped into the role of creative pastor, I would say that our church and our team really erred on the side of wild creativity and really leaned away from any sort of idea of building a repeatable system or, or sure. you know, anything <laughs> like that. And so... I felt part of my job was to harness a lot of those creative ideas and funnel them through a system Mm. that makes the work such that we're not a either making it up as we go along or b Mm. throwing it all together at the last minute. Sure. You know, we were a team in a church that I think put out from the outside a really good, exciting, creative product, but the mm. process was such a mess. Mm. And and so for me, when I think about the, the weight of it, I don't feel the most weight on the Sunday right after the thing is done. That's right, actually right. when I'm usually most energized because sure. all the work that I just did, I get to see now how it has affected people and how it has encouraged our church. Yeah when I feel the weight is in the process. And so I I think one of the ways I've tried to lead in helping to make that weight for our team feel a little bit lighter is by building a better process for them. Mm. So certain things that used to take a lot of effort for us to get to on a Sunday, now they just work themselves. 
you know, whether it's slides or whether it's, you know, getting volunteers scheduled, all of those things. So the thing about building a process in my mind is that it's slow work and you said it, it's unsexy. Like, oh yeah. Coming up with schedules, you know, a spreadsheet or a thousand spreadsheets. I I feel like it's real easy to get discouraged because of the slow moving Mm. nature of, you know, changing a process. Are you disciplined enough to look back and see kind of how it's been going? Yeah, I try I try to be, I think. And and I, I as a leader, I also try and be really intentional about mm. looking back with our team yeah. at where we've come in terms of our processes. Mm-hmm. And when when we have a really good week where everything is working the way it's supposed to, yeah. I try and take time to pause and have <laughs> us look back and, uh-huh. and and have a discussion. Like how did this week feel? Did that feel, did the, did creating that video for service, did that feel easier to have it in and done Mm -hmm. final audio, everything on Monday, six full days before, (laughs) you know, it was supposed to air on Sunday (laughs) as opposed to shooting it on Thursday, you know, did that feel better? Because if it did, then let's do that again. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's sort of how I try to lead, not just myself, but our team through those things. Yeah. And how have you felt the transition? Because I, I feel like, you know, wild creativity and, you know, flying by the seat of your pants means that there are probably less boundaries constraining the ideas, which is maybe a whole podcast topic in itself. Sure. <laughs> I'm curious, like in trying to create a better process, did you get any pushback? I mean, because with a process, you're you're creating boundaries and guidelines and guardrails for ideas which I would imagine would, you know, you might get a little pushback on that. Yeah, well, I, I think there's there's going to be pushback in several directions, and I, and I definitely experienced it. There was pushback from people on our team who have their own quote-unquote process that mm-hmm. works for them. You know, for them, it might have meant doing everything Sunday morning when you come in. Sure. You know, and I'm changing the process so that you got to have those things that you did Sunday morning day of. You got to have those a week in advance now. Yeah. And I don't like doing that. That's not how I do things. And that takes a conversation. That takes an explanation of, hey, it might work for you to get this in Sunday morning, but here is who you are inconveniencing along the way. Right, right. Here's how you're inconveniencing the volunteers. Here's how you're not setting the communicator or the worship leader or the band up for success by doing it day of. Mm-hmm. And so those those are just conversations. And sometimes you, if you're the leader, you do have to pull the the leader card and the boss yeah. card and say, hey, we're going to try this right now. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to try <laughs> it for three months. And then we, I promise you, we will have a conversation about whether it's working or not. But I'm asking you to trust me for this time. So there's there's resistance to systems in that way. But then also, I think from the other side, there has been some resistance of when you build a repeatable system, sometimes you can get caught in the product also being kind of repetitive and kind of sure, rote. Sure, right, right, and right. And we've definitely, I think, we've fallen into that trap a few times sure. of, man, every single Sunday kind of feels the same right now. And there are certain church traditions where that's actually the goal and that's right. kind of the <laughs> yeah. point. And yeah. personally, a lot of those traditions really minister to my soul, but in the you know in the contemporary non-denominational context that we're in at Soul City that's not necessarily how we do things right right we try and make it new we try and make it different and exciting and so you know it's a pendulum because we had swung so far towards the creative and the wild and the process was a mess i swung us really far back 
to the process side. And yeah. then it was when I got that feedback specifically from leadership of we haven't done anything new or fun or exciting in a while. Right, right. That's me having to lead up and say, yes, we still have a value for those things. But right now, our focus has to be for the long-term success of our team and our church, it has to be on improving the process. Right, right. And if that means we don't have like the most exciting new video every single week for a short amount of time, I hope that's okay. Sure, yeah. Because eventually when we build up a better process, then the new and creative ideas, when we add those back in, they're going to be even better than they were before. Right. So it right. took some some managing expectations and some leading up and on that side of it as well. Right, right. To expand the idea of a better process to even developing volunteers and mm. creating space for other people to be involved has the potential to kind of reduce the product, the end product oh, for sure. in the short term, but for the long term, we'll, you know, we'll be able to do more and more people involved. And yeah. And, and it's, de- it's defining what success means right now. Yeah. And not just for yourself, but making sure your team understands what success means right now and making sure that your leaders understand what success for your team means right now. Because, you know, an example to what you're talking about would be, you know, on Sunday, we have a person who's a camera operator who is a brand new volunteer. It's going to be their first time, you know, manning that camera themselves. Yeah. To have a new person in that seat is actually the win. Yeah, yeah. The win is not for them to be able to accomplish this really complicated move that we want to do. Yeah. This week it probably isn't the week to try that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and so I can walk away from, you know, a Sunday like that and say, this was a success. Even though from the outside, from the person who comes to our church, they might not notice it right now. They will notice it when every single Sunday we have quality volunteers operating our cameras. They're going to notice it down the road though. Yeah. 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 That's so good. Yeah. I I was just in a meeting yesterday where we were talking about what does success look like? It's so easy to get caught in a trap of defining success by what we see on social media or what other churches are doing or, you know, the kind of the surfacey level view that we get of most things that we're not intimately involved in instead of the success is the thing happening below the waterline, you know, that, you know, the buildup that we're doing to create the experience. Yeah. Well, and not, and not even like, because there's success in terms of the, the visible product that, Mm -hmm either the people attending or even less so the people who are following you online, follow your church online, see. Then there's the success of the systems that led to that. Yeah. And then there's an even deeper layer of success in ministry of was that process of creating that product one that actually fed the souls of your volunteers and of your church and of your team and of your people? Did it actually minister to, did that process actually minister to them? Are they growing closer to Jesus as a result of serving in your church? Right, right. And if the answer to that isn't yes, then I don't really care what the product looks like. Right, yeah. You know, I don't really care what the process is. If, If it's not, if the mission is not actually being accomplished, not just through the product, but also through the process for those volunteers and for those team members. Yeah. I think it's so interesting hearing you say that because there's something, I was just talking to an old friend of mine who is a get it done person. Like he Mm. is like, you ask him to do something, he's going to get it done. He's not going to bother you with it. It's just going to be, he's going to crush it. And in our conversation, looking back at his life, he's burned out several times along the way because he just, 
like I, I just want to get it done. I don't want to bother anybody with this. I, I don't. Mm. I want to. I want to be seen as the get it done person. And I think so often in the world of you know church production or maybe production in general, it's so easy to not speak up for my my own needs because I want to be the get it done person. And so whether yeah. or not it's if the process isn't filling me up along the way, I'm probably not going to say anything. Mm. Um, because yeah, this is just what needs to get done, and I'm I want to yeah. be that person. Yeah, well, and to lean in to lean into that and that belief that I need to be the get it done person or I need to do it all myself. Eventually, I just believe that does a disservice to your own soul. For no joke, yeah. And in a interesting kind of backwards way, it actually does a disservice to your church yeah. because one day you are going to leave. One day you are not going to be there anymore. Yeah. And success to me isn't when I leave, they're going to feel it for a whole <laughs> right. three years because of all the stuff I was doing. Right. This place is going to fall apart without me. Success yeah. is I leave and they barely even feel it. Like that's yeah. a successful leader. They sure. leave and they barely <laughs> even feel it in terms of tasks getting done because yeah, I right. have built such a team around me of people who know how to do all the stuff that I do. Right, right, right. It's so easy to define success for most of us in the task that lays before me, mm. you know, the thing that I'm doing and how well did I do it versus who did I pour into this week or yeah. is the process set up so that we can develop people along the way? Yeah, that's interesting that you say that because that's that's sort of been my journey as I've stepped into this role in the last you know 12 plus months. Because previously, like we said, I didn't have much going on. And oh, yeah. most of what I had going on, most of what I had going on was preparing Sunday sermons, which for us is a pretty like, it's my task. It's the thing in front of right, me. Right, right. I'm in control of kind of the whole process beginning to end, yeah. you know, in partnership with the Spirit of God, of course. And I think that's how initially I approached the work of a creative pastor too. Mm -hmm. I looked at the Sunday service as my version of a Sunday sermon. Right. Where it was all about like, this is my creative baby and I'm working on this and I want to make it the best possible product as possible. And slowly along the way, I think I, I've, I've just learned that there's so much more to success in leadership and specifically mm. pastoral and ministry leadership than like we're talking about is the product, is your product of your service great. And that's a lesson I've had to learn along the way of, of valuing people and valuing a process yeah. over the product. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think too, involving people and having a process, I would imagine coming from like, this is in my hands, the thing mm. I'm doing. Yeah. I don't need anybody to get it done. I, I do yeah. it myself to like, okay, we're, we're all gonna help make this happen. And yeah. so I'm, I'm releasing control and mm -hmm trusting other people with it. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a, that's a totally different animal. And in doing that, I think you are being a reflection of the creative heart of God. Mm. You know, we don't worship and serve a God who just kind of does everything himself. Yeah. From the from the very opening lines of scripture, this is a God who is who is delegating the the creative work, you know, to yeah. to the first humans and saying, cultivate, you know, be fruitful, multiply. God could do that all himself, but God chooses. There's something about the way that God has designed things to work best where he says, actually, well, let's do this together. 
Right, right. This is reminding me, this is maybe an obscure reference that no one will care about, but uh, I used to be Is it really... Churchill? Is it Churchill? No, it isn't. <laughs> Let me think about that. I'll, I'll come up with a Churchill, <laughs> Churchillian example. When I was in college, I was like into the liner notes. I was like picking apart all the music. And mm. I, you know, I had a couple favorite producers that I would listen to and just loved what they put out. And so one of the artists that was using one of these producers that I loved, you know, just ate up all their music. And then they switched producers or maybe became like self-produced, like they became their own producer. Mm-hmm. And the it just like, it was awful to listen to, mm. you know, just like, this is not good. Yeah. You know, self-produced. And I just kept thinking they, you know, like no outside input, no other opinion, you know, just mm. like created in a bubble. Yeah. And, you know, it's just not good anymore. Mm. And just that picture of all of us kind of needing all of us to produce a weekend service and releasing bits of creativity and feedback to each other. And, you know, that it creates something better. Yeah. Or it has the potential to create something better than just, you know, in a vacuum, somebody creating something. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. That's a, that's a great metaphor for it or a great parallel. I love yeah. that for someone like you, you know, creating a message and being used to kind of doing it yourself, that it may be hard to open yourself up to critique or, you know, feedback, you know, because it's your thing, it's your baby, you've worked Mm. really hard at it. And then to hear like, yeah, I don't really like that part of the message makes no sense to me. Sure. It's like harder (laughs) to hear, uh, maybe. Yeah. Well, what's, what's interesting, you know, like I mentioned, my background is in acting in musical theater and in sports, which... Mm -hmm. In terms of, you know, childhood and formative activities, I don't know if there are any others where you get as much real-time feedback All right. as uh-huh. when you are, you know, rehearsing for a play. Every time you rehearse and run through it, you get notes afterwards. And you right. don't just get them like just you and the director. You get them in front of the whole cast. <laughs> yeah. And so if you messed up a line or if you did something wrong, you're going to know and the whole cast is going to know. Same yeah, yeah. with sports. Like yeah. they don't even wait for the game to be over. They'll <laughs> call you out in the middle of the game, you know? Yeah. And so I think I, I entered the professional ministry space mm. with a penchant and a desire for more feedback, especially because when I came on staff at Soul City, I had just spent more than half a decade doing kind of what you were talking about with that musician before. I was producing and writing and creating and marketing and doing my own stuff constantly. And so there was almost no feedback that I was getting other than anonymous YouTube comments, which aren't really helpful (laughs) usually. (laughs) And so I came in actually really, really hungry Hmm. for it because I hadn't had it before. And luckily we're 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 a really high feedback culture in that Hmm. way. But that's not the case for everybody, you right, know? right. Not right. everyone has that uh, has that desire, and even now, a couple years in, I definitely hit that point uh, at times of, oh, I've had enough of this. Like, I, I don't need everyone's <laughs> thoughts every single after every single song or whatever. Right, it right. Is. Yeah, that's so interesting. There's something so necessary about feedback, mm-hmm. and I would say in so many churches that I've worked with in the past, it just doesn't exist. And so you can't really move forward without the ability to have honest conversations about how it's going. Mm -hmm. And part of it, I think even stems back to what are we about is a question Mm. that a lot of people haven't asked. Maybe they've asked it, but they haven't answered it. 
Yeah. What do we want this to be? What does success look like? Yeah. So that we have something to measure it against. Mm-hmm. It's impossible to get feedback if mm-hmm. you don't know what you're shooting for, except for you forgot to turn this mic on. Let's not do that again. You know, this yeah. all becomes objective negative feedback. feedback. R- yeah, right. That, exactly. That we, talk, we talk about that on our team a lot. The difference between objective and subjective feedback. Objective mm. is something factually went wrong. You know, right, right. that lyric on the screen was incorrect. That is yeah. not the lyric to the song. <laughs> yeah. Versus subjective feedback of hey, you know, the the mix just kind of felt empty this morning. Is there more right, low right. end that we can bring into it, whatever it is? And I've found when it comes to feedback, it is super helpful, like you said, to really define what success looks like or what we're driving toward because that gives people who are maybe unfamiliar or afraid to raise their voice and give feedback, that gives mm-hmm. them some focus and something to look at. And for people who have a, penchant to give more feedback perhaps than you need that's <laughs> kind of just all over the place it helps to focus the feedback that they give or to right size it because they might be giving feedback to something that hey that's not actually what we're driving towards that that is not right. going to help us get to this piece of success sure so having that is really really helpful for people who err on both sides of that feedback spectrum of love to give it always giving it even when it's not welcome <laughs> to never even raises their voice, even when asked. Right, right, yeah. It's like the people that are willing to yeah, have an opinion about what could have been better when you're not out here trying to do stuff, so <laughs> maybe, like, keep it to yourself. <laughs> yeah, well, and what a, what a skill, one that, man, I, I am learning slowly but surely, and some weeks I lean into this effectively, and other weeks I'm kind of cursing under my breath, is being able to filter what is, when I hear a bunch of feedback, if I hear 10 things, what things are helpful mm. for me and actionable, Yeah. what things are interesting, things for me to consider <laughs> for the future, and what things do I just need to let go, water off my back. Yeah, yeah. You know, and just because it's said doesn't mean it has to affect me for the rest of the Sunday. Just because it's said doesn't mean it has to change things. And learning how to carry and receive all of that feedback and then discern where it's supposed to go and what you're supposed to do with it is a skill (laughs) that I am slowly learning more and more each passing day. Yeah, yeah. Oh, feedback. So good. (laughs) How do you determine, you know, when it's time to like, we're going to push hard. We're going to break some of our boundaries to get this thing done versus like it's process time. Yeah, I, th- I think also the, the thing in it is remembering the, the end user, for lack of a better term. Uh, yeah. You know, the, the average everyday person who shows up to your church on a Sunday is not going to necessarily care if the process for the team to get to that Sunday <laughs> was smooth and fluid. Right, yeah. They're not they're not going to care. What they're going to care about is how did this you know experience this gathering, how did it minister to me? How did it speak to my soul? How did it give me hope for the difficult thing that I'm facing right now? Yeah, how yeah. did it help me grow in my faith and grow closer to God? That's what that's what they're expecting. And so I think when it starts to, one, being a part of your community is a huge part of that because yeah. the average everyday person doesn't spend one one hundredth of the time thinking about the Sunday gathering <laughs> yeah. as you do. Right. And so while your feedback or your perspective on does this minister to people's souls is incredibly important, 
I would actually say being a part of your community and having relationships with people who don't serve on your production team, who aren't on okay, staff, yeah. but who they, they serve in a completely different part of the church and they just show up to the gathering at 9 a.m. every Sunday, getting their thoughts and feedback on things, specifically not on the technical elements, but specifically on the effectiveness of the ministry that's happening, Right, that starts to be a, a signaler for me. Yeah. Because when I have those, you know, when I had those conversations a few months months ago, what I was hearing was, yeah, it just kind of feels like we've talked about this before. I was starting to hear a lot of that feedback from them of, yeah, it just kind of feels the same every week. Feels like we sing the same songs, and that's a signal to me. Okay, regardless of where our process is at, we got to start trying some new stuff. We sure. have to shake things up a little bit. Um, so being integrated in the community has been really really helpful for me and. Plus, on the other side of that, inviting some of those folks into some of those creative meetings where you're starting to brainstorm as well. Um, that's something I've tried to do in the second half of, of this year is when we're brainstorming for you know an Easter or a Christmas or a new teaching series, it used to just be our creative team of six folks sure, and just us. We'd brainstorm it every single time and... That was great, but if you have the same minds there every single time, you're going to do the same stuff. Right, you know? right, yeah. So what I've started to do is have everyone on our team nominate one creative mind to invite to the next brainstorm. Okay. And it's up to them to invite that person, and it can be another person on staff, it can be another volunteer, it can be a person who goes to our church, it can just be someone that they know, whatever. Sure. But someone who they feel would provide valuable creative perspective in this brainstorm and that has unleashed like wild and new ideas, <laughs> some of which are not even remotely possible, but right. at least they're being spoken. Sure. You know? Yeah, yeah. The thing I like about wild and crazy ideas that might never happen is they lead to an idea that is that could new and different that could happen. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So being a leader, a pastor, a creator, a speaker, you know, you're, again, I think we've already said it, you've, you need more to do. Uh, absolutely. The thing that I love about the process is that it helps at least build some sort of structure for a healthy life, a balance between, you know, working really hard and like living your life uh, outside mm. of what you do. And so having people that work for you, teams that are, you know, working for you, you know, volunteers and staff, the process really helps encourage you know, not having out of balance, out of whack schedules. Mm -hmm. But then the, the, you know, the times come, uh, you know, Easter, Christmas, special events, anniversary services that it is time to push. And yeah. for you, how do you, you know, balance out in yourself? Like it's time for us to like set aside the, the process for the sake of an idea versus always having the idea based on the process. Yeah, totally. Because sometimes you can't control that, the better and maybe in fact best idea comes too late in the process. That's just yeah, yeah. a part of the, you know, the mystery of, <laughs> you know, Holy Spirit promptings, you know, yeah. that sometimes they actually, I would say, in fact, most times they come too late in the process. Right. And so right. <laughs> what do you do? Yeah. I, I think in not to sound like a broken record, but it is specifically because of that, that the process itself is so important mm -hmm. because if things are moving methodically and well, like a well-oiled machine and people are being given, you know, proper notice for things and in the planning process of a Christmas or something, they're having plenty of time to rest and replenish and Sabbath and spend time with their families. 
during that process, they're entering that, you know, intense week where some of those ideas pop up with a lot of energy rather right. than entering into it depleted. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so I think, I think that that's one thing that has really helped or continues to really help us is building out that, like we, we have the framework so that we can be we can more effectively change the framework when it happens. Sure, yeah. I suppose. Yeah, I love that. There's something about, too, like having wildly creative ideas and no process, you tend to work at your limits. Oh, for sure. 100% of the time. The whole time. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Versus saying, okay, the process helps me to work at 80% or yeah. you know whatever that number is so that there's a little extra ready for the crazy that comes along. Yeah, it's like to use a sports metaphor, something that LeBron James has been really famous for in his in the latter half of his career is he has learned to manage his energy within a game mm. where you will see him out there and you'll see him not necessarily fully ta fully taking plays off, but managing his energy and his facility to the point where when it really comes time to dive in, he's able to go 100% sure, because okay. he knows he can't go 100% all the time and still have the energy needed to crush it in the fourth quarter. Sure, right. And so that's kind of how I think about a big lift like an Easter or Christmas. Let's manage our energy really, really well through planning and processes leading up to it so that we can give 100, 110% those final two weeks right. full-fledged, ready yeah, to go, yeah. fully energized. As a creative thinker or someone with ideas, like how do you keep yourself from thinking about out-of-the-box ideas that aren't already in the box of the process? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like to be able to think way, you know, blue sky kind of experiences when you know there's a process in place. I was part of an event where we were trying to come up with some designs or whatever, but the person coming up with the design was very much going to have to execute that. Mm. So all of his ideas were executable. Do you know what yeah, I mean? totally. And so they're like, you know, this is still not getting there, but we're mm -hmm. stuck in the, how do you do it? When maybe we need to be thinking bigger so that we can shrink it down. Yeah, because when you build... When you build an effective process, one of the signs that it is effective is that it, it lives in you and it yeah, yeah. happens naturally. And so I can't tell you how many times I've sat in brainstorms and the minute an idea starts getting talked about, I start filtering it through <laughs> like a video idea. I start filtering it through our video process of, okay, you want it done on this date, which means we'll have to have the meeting all the way back here. Oh, we're about two weeks late with that idea already. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it just like shuts everything down. You For know, sure, and yeah. it's really easy to say, no, we can't do that. Mm -hmm. And so something <laughs> that, and I, and I honestly, I wish I did this more with our team. And if I was a better leader, I would. But hmm. something uh, we've tried a few times is in a brainstorm, we will not brainstorm things for a Sunday service. We won't mm -hmm. brainstorm things for something we already have a process for. Right. We will brainstorm ideas for something we have not done and maybe will never do. Okay. So like we could have a creative meeting where I'm inviting everyone to take 10 minutes and come up with a one man, one woman show about your life. How would yeah, okay. you do it? Yeah. Go for it. And that relieves any sort of pressure of the how, of right. how will we you know, sure. accomplish this? And it's just pure like 
I'm never going to have to do this. So guess what? I'm <laughs> yeah. flying a helicopter. Let's go for it. Yeah, right. You know, <laughs> yeah. whatever it is. And, and and I think that that's really helpful to to just do whatever you can to remove any sort of thought that I'm going to have to execute this one day. Yeah. Because as as creative as people can be, we're also in the doing of it week in and week out. And right. so we are going to minimize our creative ideas because we know more than anyone how difficult that would be to pull off. Right, right. And so when we free ourselves from any of that constraint of having to do, which I, I think creating an imaginary scenario for this brainstorm, that is just like wildly helpful. Right. Another thing we have done, and again, if I was a better leader, we would lean into this more, <laughs> but we have a Slack channel that's just called Cool Stuff. Okay. And anytime any of us sees something in a movie or we go to a concert or just anything where we're like, this was awesome. Super Bowl halftime. Did you see this effect? Whatever. We'll yeah. just throw it in there. Okay. And we just talk about it. Yeah. Like we don't say, okay, how could we do that next Sunday? It's just there. Yeah. Which again, I, I think I have to believe that even though we're not taking action on every single thing that's thrown into the cool stuff slack, what it is doing is it is keeping us in the practice of looking to be inspired yes, yes. by things that have nothing to do with church. You right, know, and yeah. letting that stuff inform how we do it. Yeah, brace yourself for some Churchill quotations. I knew it, was, I yeah, knew it coming. Would come. I knew it. He has a book that he wrote back in 1912 or something like that. It's called Painting as a Pastime. So it's just about mm. his love of painting and what it did for him and why it would be good for other people to take up the hobby. Yeah. It's a fascinating well, little, it's like a little booklet. I'm going to interrupt. Yeah. Aaron and I just watched the season one painting episode of The Crown. Okay. Did you watch The Crown? Yeah, so yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is one of my favorite episodes of television. Oh, the one where he gets the, where the he gets the portrait. Portrait of himself. Yes. Oh my gosh. Very powerful that that episode for sure. Yes. But go on. Yeah, that so they in that episode talk about him as a painter. Yeah. Anyway, he talks about just the the idea of we're using the same parts of our brain all day long. Mm. Maybe on something you love to do. Yeah. And what happens is you just start, you know, whether this is scientifically a thing or not, but he talks about you're just wearing it down and you need a chance to use a different part of your brain, doing mm. something totally different. And so for him, painting was that thing that, you know, even driving from 10 Downing Street to Buckingham Palace, he could, uh, oh, like, oh, there's a tree. That's an interesting color. Mm. What color would, how would I make that color? Yeah. You know, in the paint box. And so it just, it relieved his brain, you know, little short spurts. And I think the, just talking about the process and how we do services, it's real easy to just get in this rut of, you know, this is how we're doing things and mm-hmm. lose practice on thinking wildly outside the box. But that's also something we probably need to be practicing and giving ourselves permission to, we're going to abandon this and do something different for the mm-hmm. sake of even making the process fresher yeah. just by taking a step back from it every now and then so that, mm-hmm. yeah, when we do come back to it, we're like, oh, I've got some new ideas on how to do this because I've given that part of my brain a rest and yeah. can think better about it. Totally. Because that's that's what kids do when they're creative. They're, they're doing a bunch of stuff that it's kind of a waste of time. Like it's right. not accomplishing anything. <laughs> yeah. Them, you know, my my daughter playing in this little tent thing with, that that she got, you know, for her birthday. It, it's not accomplishing anything. 
right, right. necessarily, or at least that I can see. But there is some creativity. There is some things that are being sparked within that that, yeah. I ha- again, I just have to believe pay off eventually down the yeah. road. I think as a tech person, also went to school for industrial engineering. So the mm. thinking about efficiencies and how do we get from A to B in the fastest, cheapest way possible, you know, it's how my brain yeah. works. And I try to stop myself from thinking about what's the most efficient way to do whatever. Mm. Because efficient is not always, it's sure. not the answer always. Yeah. And so I, I've been training my brain to say effective. What's the most effective way to get mm. this done? Because then it takes into account, not just the fastest way from point A to point B, but yeah. what should we be doing? And mm-hmm. how do we accomplish that the best way? And so sometimes it's the long route, uh, you know, yeah. from A to B. I love your ideas of like Slack channel of cool things, brainstorming about, you know, maybe even something that's, hey, let's, t- you know, in Soul City's example, like let's talk about our 15th anniversary. It's in four yeah. years or whatever. And let's just brainstorm and, you know, we'll mm. maybe figure out how to do that then. But yeah. yeah, just to use a different part of our brains to think outside the box. Mm, yeah, and I think in those conversations as the leader, you almost have to be the the how police a little bit, yeah. knowing that there there's going to be someone in that circle, whether it's your TD, whether it's the producer, whatever, like someone in that circle is at some point going to raise their hand and begin to talk about how that would happen. Right, right. And again, it's it's what does success look like in you know in this meeting in this brainstorm success mm-hmm. does not look like figuring out how we're going to do any of this yeah. success actually just looks like coming up with the wildest craziest stuff we can yeah. and so i'll be the how police and anytime it starts to pop up i'll just you know something that we say here is like wow not how right now we're yeah, just yeah. talking about yeah. the wow <laughs> yeah. yeah it's so good yeah i mean i think it's it's one of those things that just in life in general you know to come up with a process for your life, you know, disciplines and uh, ways of doing things. And then pretty soon that way becomes like the most important thing instead of like the results you were looking for, for mm-hmm. from that thing. And I think in our churches and the way we produce services, it's not easy to build a process. It's easy to get stuck in one. Yeah. The, the process becomes the most important thing instead of what does our congregation need? Mm-hmm. There was a season of of life for me that it felt like a successful rehearsal was the most important thing. Oh yeah. And at a certain point, like we're not even rehearsing the right thing right now. That, no, I mean, but we have, we have processed, it. we have processed <laughs> the ministry out of this. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, ways. the humanity is gone, Yeah, but yeah, we're destroying the, you know, we're just like crushing the, the rehearsal part of this mm. fear becomes, well, I'll just speak for myself. Like if I let up on the process, or if I, if I open myself up to what should we be doing, I think I'm just afraid I'm going to get squashed by it. Mm. I think people listening have probably been in enough seasons of life where the schedule's out of control or I'm like, I'm not seeing my family enough. And so if I let up, that's all going to happen again. Mm. And the discipline it takes to kind of live in the tension of it's not always about the process and it's not always about yeah. the outcomes and it's about both and it's a it's a dance. Mhm. Yeah, the kind of phrase that just came to my mind is do I just want to cross the finish line or do I actually want to walk with people? Hmm. You know. And you know, thinking about it as a 
as a communicator and as a, as a teacher, um, as a teaching pastor, I can just get the sermon done. I have a process that I've built for myself that makes the actual writing of a sermon not never easy, but doable. Right, repeatable. Repeatable, yeah. and I can I can get – if you told me today that I had to teach on Sunday, I'm not supposed to teach on Sunday, but you told me today I could do it, I could write something, and it could it would be there. And I could get across the finish line. Right. But that doesn't mean that I actually walked with our people to right. get there. It just meant I knocked it off the to-do list and moved on. Yeah. And when I zoom out and I add a new part to my role here of not just being – charged with one Sunday sermon 30 minutes long once a month, but 50 gatherings that are an hour long over the course of a year, I know I personally have had several times this year where I've gotten caught and I leave a Sunday and I'm like, oh, I just walked across the finish line. That hmm. was my goal. It was yeah, just yeah. to get this thing done. Yeah. And if I'm doing that, I'm totally missing it. Yeah. I'm totally missing that the whole point was to walk with our to create a service that actually walks with our people in the way that Jesus does along mm. the road, not just check something off my to-do list. Right, right. So good. It's hard. <laughs> it's so hard, yeah. I mean, I think the weekend service feels like a finish line in so many ways. Yeah. And yeah, living a life of a series of finish lines versus like building a sustainable, long-term walking with people. Yeah, is the goal. It's so mm. hard to see that in the moments when you're the to-do list is giant and yeah and then i think you know the layers of we want to try and do something as cool as church x y and z or sure. or you know my performance is wrapped up in my person you know who i am as a person hmm. versus you know it's just something i do yeah yeah so much gets in the way <laughs> it does it really does <laughs> yeah and on that note Thanks for listening. <laughs> what, what oh great, my goodness. Man, yeah. this is so uplifting. I yeah. hope you people feel so encouraged. Yeah. I mean, I think just the, you know, to bring this it back to the hard. good feels. Yeah. Yeah. Creating a process is one of the ways to, you know, be able to be in it for the long term, you know, like building a structure around creativity, mm -hmm. but also... Yeah, not letting yourself get stuck in the process that you're just creating the same thing week in and week out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so much of life is a pendulum or it's a balance of multiple things. And I think creativity within a church context and ministry context especially is exactly that. Mm -hmm. You know, It's managing and making things smooth and they work for you and systems and all of those great things and creating the new and different and leaving room for the unplanned movement of the spirit. Yeah. And how, how do you balance those things? I actually talked to our team about this. One of the places that I see do that best is the Philo conference, hmm. specifically within the main sessions, the way that, cause I've sat in, I've been a part of those rehearsals and I know that it is planned out and it, it's in planning center. It's all that. Uh -huh. And yet there is such an openness to once we get out there, once we're on the field, we may need to improvise at some point. Yeah. And that that's the sign of not only an effective team, but that effective ministry is happening. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that God did something that we didn't actually see coming. 
And we, the success for us isn't that, man, we should have seen it. Success for us is we remained open enough to it to respond when it happened. Yeah, 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 so good. Ah, that's a great reminder to me, like just the, thinking back on the last Philo conference, you know, we had a couple of moments that were like, whoa, this was not planned and yeah. look at what just happened. And mm-hmm. there was a little moment down in, you know, the front row when some of that was going on that I was just feeling like, oh my gosh, I want to jump up on stage and say something, mm. but that's not in the plan. Yeah. So I just kept it to myself. <laughs> and then Nate, who's our technical producer leans over to me and he's like, Hey, would you say something to the team after this based on what just happened? You know, how, Mm -hmm. how amazing everybody did. And, you know, thank you for following the spirit. And, and I was like, I would like to do it in front of everyone. If I can, how about I do it right now? Yeah. Can I jump up right now? Yeah. So coming back to kind of what we've been talking about, the process is amazing getting ready for the Philo conference. It's not perfect, but you know, we work really hard to yeah. like, we've got a plan, yeah. but then because we have margin and trust and good relationships to have a moment where we're like, all right, we're just, can we follow, can we go this way instead? And mm-hmm. that people feel like we're not taking advantage of anybody. We're not throwing out the process as a result of no. this moment, but we're, we have margin to follow where this needs to go. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. I think that's uh, that's a good place to uh, call this one. Better than the one from before. Oh uh, yeah, that's, yeah, this is much more, yeah, more much upbeat more and uplifting. uplifting. <laughs> hey man, thanks for spending time with me today and our the file mm. community. And thank you for joining us at the file conference coming up in a few weeks. Yeah, no, I'm really excited about it, and it, it feels honestly. I'm thinking about our conversation just now, and it feels a little silly because so much of what I shared, and hopefully it was helpful for someone. A lot of that stuff is stuff I've learned at Philo <laughs> or being a part of Philo. So I hope I'm able to pour mm. even a fraction of what you all have taught me mm. and how you all have blessed me back into this podcast and the conference in a few weeks. So yeah. thanks, Todd. I oh, appreciate so you. Yeah, thank you. Same. I love talking to John every chance I get. I mean, he is such a well-rounded person. He's done everything. He's done such a wide range of creative endeavors that has really helped to shape and define how he prepares for each weekend and how he leads his team to accomplish the ideas they dream up. A few highlights I love from our conversation, the idea of building a better process for getting from ideas to execution. If you remember, this was a similar theme we heard from Lindsey Van Wyk, who works with John on a regular basis. I also really love the idea of we're gonna try this in quotes, when it's time to change direction or try something new, they talk about it in those terms, not permanently making changes, but just trying something and seeing if it might be a better way of doing something. Also, the idea of defining success not based on their own insulated opinions, but because the whole team is integrated into the community, they have a sense for what is and what isn't working based on the needs of that community. I mean, I think this is such a giant trap that many of us can fall into with doing stuff in our services that we like to do versus what the congregation actually needs. And even are you integrated into your church community to know what success might look like? For me, there were plenty of times that I was leading the production team to do cool stuff because we weren't focused on what the congregation actually needed, just on 
you know, doing cool stuff. Tons of haze, yeah, sure. Change the set every series, yeah, why not? Spend an extra eight hours dialing in the sidechain compression on that second electric guitar, I mean, it'll be awesome. And none of these examples are wrong, but in a vacuum, they can be a giant waste of time. And I think it's important for us to define success by what our church actually needs. If you can't tell, I'm a pretty big John Jorgensen fan. I can't wait for us to experience him teach at the Philo Conference. Don't forget, sign up at the early bird price while you still can, just so you can hear from John during his main session talk. Also, you can follow us on social media at Philo Community on Facebook and Instagram and at Philo Conference on Twitter. All right, thanks a ton for listening to the Philo Podcast. I mean, it means a lot to us that we can help you become a better version of yourself through the topics we discuss. And if you wouldn't mind, take a couple minutes and consider rating this podcast on whatever platform you happen to be listening to. It can help our exposure, and we're trying to help as many local church technical artists as possible. And so that extra exposure really helps. So thanks for considering, and we'll see you next time. 